All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, it's Casey. And <laughs> this is Magnum Bi, the true crime podcast where we add a little bit of social justice commentary, a little bit of comedy. And the world's most anticlimactic rock paper scissors game. If you're listening on Spotify, we weren't <laughs> we weren't playing for anything. Um, just for funsies. Just for fun. <laughs> and I won. That's how it goes. How the it white goes. man once again. Okay. Get right. him. Get him. Get him. <laughs> it's always about race with you. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days will be canceled. <laughs> I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be something, and then we're we're done for. And then we're I, we're done. I'm gonna have to live under a rock. I yep. think. Um, so. Anyways. <laughs> Lauren's making some incredible, incredible, incredible animations to start our episode. I'm going to try. Yeah, and you're going to do well. I don't know if it'll be, if you're watching on YouTube, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll be on this episode, maybe the next. Probably the next. Um, but stay tuned <laughs> for that. They're really cute. Yep. We'll get a, give a little teaser on our Instagram at MagnumBiPod. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and get a little digital mock-up done soon, so we'll have that out. Um, but I thought it would be really nice to have little, like, I don't know, like little talking heads or little bobble heads to go along with our Magnum BI brand because we're t- <laughs> we're talking about a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. So I thought it'd be nice to have something kind of sweet, something kind of harmless to kind of I don't know juxtapose. Yes. <laughs> Soften the blow a little. And they're maybe. really cute. She's very very talented Aww. with that kind of thing. So they're fun. Thank you. You got my mom's stamp of approval. Yay! So. Thank you, Shelly. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know why I said you're welcome. <laughs> She's here. It's she's like here. Voldemort, like in <laughs> Harry Potter. You turn around the back of your head. It's just your mother's face. <laughs> Shelly! <laughs> hey! Hey, Shelly! All right, what's your case this week, Lauren? All right, my case this week is another serial killer. Surprise. I'll do an unsolved mystery someday. But we today have is our not brands. We really have our brands. Yep. So today I'm going to be doing a little case study biography on a man by the name of Samuel Little who, unlike Henry Lee Lucas, is actually the most prolific serial killer in American history. Mm. Are you ready? Let's get into it. All right. So, Samuel Little, born June 4th, 1940. He's a Gemini. Okay. What do we think of Geminis? That's my moon and rising. Is it really? Yeah. What are your opinions? What are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I, like, deeply relate to, like, the being able to socialize with anybody mm-hmm. and being good in social situations. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when I was young, like, mm-hmm. in high school, I was very fake. Really? As, like, my high school friends who were listening can attest, I was very, like, I was Regina George being, like, oh, my God, I love your skirt. Oh, my God, that's the ugliest epic skirt I've ever seen. <laughs> like, that was, like, that was me a lot of the time. I actually can't picture that for you. That's crazy. I've gotten a lot nicer in my <laughs> in my old age. Well, I'm glad we're friends now. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> seem like this guy got nicer, though. Uh, no, unfortunately not. <clears throat> so, he was born in Reynolds, Georgia, to his mother, Bessie May Little, who was a sex worker. 
And um, his father, named Paul McDowell, was never really in the picture. So um, both of his parents were like 19 at the time. So um, Samuel's mother moves back in with her mother, Samuel's grandmother, and they moved to Lorain, Ohio, where he was mainly raised by his grandmother while his mother was out working. So he was kind of unattended as a child. And this is reflected by like a bunch of like delinquency stunts he pulled when he was younger. He had a very long rap sheet for juvenile detention centers, like right from the get-go. So unfortunately, Samuel is just off the bat, not doing super good. When he was growing up, he recalls an event in elementary school where he realized he had this kind of fascination with women's necks. Oh no. So um, I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning. Um, There's going to be brief descriptions of sexuality, violence, rape, and murder. Okay. So we're getting into it. There we go. Um, This obsession would later turn to a kink, which is called partialism, which is an obsession with a certain body part. Interesting. Like big breasts or butts or feet, if you're a weirdo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am kink shaming. (laughs) Anyway, now... While this fascination in and of itself isn't harmful on its own, um, it soon became evident that some element of violence had begun to taint his interest as he began collecting magazines, true crime magazines, funnily enough, um, that depicted women being strangled or choked. So right from the get-go. Are these like genuine true crime magazines or like bondage, like... Mm -hmm sadomasochism that's a really good question i don't know for sure Mm -hmm. um when i was doing my research it just said like true crime magazines that included like imagery of women being choked okay so there's something about the neck and strangulation that samuel is really into right off the bat which is very icky especially considering he's so young and he's immediately like that's it this is my thing wow so tough start to this one guys um a little bit of foreshadowing too unfortunately so 1956, he's 16 years old. He spends a small stint in a juvenile detention facility after breaking and entering before moving with his mother to Florida in the 1960s. In 1961, he was sentenced to three years in prison after breaking into a furniture store back in Ohio and was released after serving the full sentence in 1964. So he's already got a pretty long rap sheet as we already discussed yeah and this is going to continue throughout most of his adolescence and into his like late um 50s or 60s i think Mm. just because he (laughs) that was his mo he was always kind of in and out with the law well and we know that the american prison system doesn't rehabilitate absolutely not you know Mm -hmm. so especially you know in samuel's case as a young low socioeconomic status black man in the 60s he is fucked damn from that regard i didn't realize the racial element too yes so we have that to contest with and to contrast you know with our henry lee lucas gilbert paul Mm. jordan which we're going to get into a little later so he claimed that while he was in prison he taught himself how to fight and considered himself a former prize fighter so violence is his thing. He's like, yeah, this is my MO. I used to win money fighting people in prison. It's not looking good so far. Not not looking good. Dude. So, 
after he gets out of prison in 1964, um, he kind of acts as a drifter and travels across the United States. Um, he's arrested in eight separate states multiple times. Whoa! <laughs> so, <laughs> you have to, like, try. I know. For a lot of different shits, we've got driving under the influence, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and rape, unfortunately. Wow. And by 1975, he'd been arrested 26 times and now in 11 states for more crimes which also included theft assault attempted rape and fraud whoa he's going off he's going crazy wow i don't know like why (laughs) i don't think there's really a rhyme or reason unfortunately just by you know virtue of the breadth of the crimes he was committing yeah um funny little detail there was also in the Wikipedia article, I was, you know, skimming. <laughs> um, there was a claim that he also tried to assault a government official. But when I, cl- when I clicked the link to source check, because I do, it kept directing to a Fox News article okay. that had no sources. So okay. <laughs> do, do it that so way. So there was will. no government official anywhere near him is that, what I'm hearing. That I'm aware of. Yeah. I never found a name or like a why or where or anything like that. So yeah. there's that. We're 1975. Unbeknownst to, like, everyone else, he's already killed somebody in 1970. So we're going to touch upon that a little bit in greater detail later. But he has a very extensive rap sheet criminal record. And during this time, while he's in his mid-20s, he's, like, a very attractive man. Okay. Like, Ted Bundy-type, charming, well-built, well-spoken he has this incredible mustache, which I know you would love, yeah. <laughs> and blue eyes, and he is gorgeous. So he uses his attraction and his good looks to take advantage of these women that were interested in him to kind of fuel this sexual desire he had surrounding strangulation. Mm. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're off to a really good start. <laughs> so in 1982... He was actually arrested for a different murder, not the murder he committed in 1970, for a woman named Melinda Rose Laprie. Whoa, pretty was, name. Right? Yeah. She had a lovely name. Who was a um, 22-year-old who had gone missing in September of that year. So the jury declined to indict Samuel, and consequently he was transferred to Florida to stand trial for the murder of another woman who had been found in September of the same year named Patricia Ann Mount. And so we're kind of getting like the Henry Lee Lucas treatment where he's already in prison for something he may or may not have done. Yeah. And the criminal justice system is just kind of shuffling him around, seeing if he'll admit to something, blah, blah, blah. That fun little thing that they love to do in mm-hmm. the 80s. Yep. So this one, however, held more water. Eyewitnesses actually placed him, you know, on, at the scene of the crime as the last person that had seen Patricia alive before her disappearance, but inconsistencies with the witness statements resulted in his acquittal in January of 1984. So he, he's a man with an extensive criminal background who has already committed a couple different murders, and his reign of terror essentially could have been cut short if this trial had actually come to fruition and he'd been put in jail. But, you know... Since the witness statements were inconclusive and, you know, it would be fucked up to put someone in jail for something they didn't do, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Oof. But could narrowly could have missed uh, what's about to come. Yikes. So, 
As we've discussed, Samuel had an obsession with women's necks, and now we're going to discuss what his first killing looked like in 1970. Okay. So, the name of the victim was Mary Jo Payton. She was a 33-year-old living in Miami, Florida, and we set our scene in a bar on New Year's Eve. So, Mary Jo is by herself, and she sees Samuel from across the bar and is immediately smitten with him because he's an extremely attractive man. So she goes up to him and they're talking, getting to know each other because it's New Year's Eve and they're alone in a bar together. This is 1970? This is, yes, 1970. New Year's Eve, 1970, bar in Florida. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Not with Samuel <laughs> Little. Not with but this like, guy. Otherwise, that sounds like the best time to... To be a, in a bar on New Year's Eve. In Florida, specifically. Oh, yeah. I bet that would be In 1970? Yeah. Yep. Anyway. So, you know, they're talking, they're chatting, getting to know each other, and she tells Samuel that, you know, she's new in town. She's on the outs with her immediate family because they don't like how much she drinks. Mm. So, unfortunately... She really opens up. <laughs> yeah, she really um, set the stage for him, and he, you know, puts together that, you know, since she's from out of state, alone new in town she doesn't really have anyone that's going to look after her he decides this is going to be his first victim so they get in his car together and he takes her on a drive which he loved to do he had a very nice car that was something else that women would like Mm -hmm. so they get into his car he drives them to a secluded location and they start to get intimate she actually straddles him and is like you know talking dirty playing with his necklace and you know they're getting hot and heavy and samuel wraps his hands around her throat and kills her so oh my god this became the main method by which he would commit most of his murders strangulation and rape consequently which is awful damn so yeah we got another icky one guys yeah we do Um, Just imagine having so little respect for human life that you meet this person in a bar mm -mm. and they're like, oh, I'm new in town. Like, I'm not really close to my family because I think I drink too much. Like, they're being vulnerable with you. Very vulnerable. And in your mind, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to abduct and kill and rape them. Yep. Like. He was a real piece of work, this guy. Which is terrible. Wow. Um, Unfortunately, as we know because of his obsession with women's necks. Um, This would provide some sort of sexual gratification for him as, you know, his obsession and his penchant for violence created a deadly combination that would motivate him to seek out dozens of women across his 35-year career as a serial killer. (laughs) So, okay. I put in my notes funny detail. This isn't really funny. But... um, (laughs) Lauren's about to tell me something where I won't be able to sleep for a week. <laughs> it's, it, okay, it's kind of funny. But listen, <laughs> um, interestingly enough, he actually was very squeamish and hated the sight of blood. Interesting. So this kind of informed the way that he would kill these people, unfortunately. But in a weird way, it kind of um, helped prolong his career, big air quotes, because he never had any DNA left on his person. Ooh. Because he wouldn't, like you know shoot them or stab them or anything that would leave like blood on his person or in his car so interesting nine times out of ten you know he would leave pretty much scot-free yeah which is terrible yeah (laughs) so there's that to contend with after 
Um, he subsequently kills Mary Jo. Um, he dumps her body on the side of the road where she would unfortunately remain unidentified until 2019, where DNA evidence would finally match her identity to a skeleton that was recovered in 1992. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, at least her family has some kind of closure for that awful event. Yeah. Um, but like I said beforehand, Samuel made sure to go out of his way to choose victims that would fly under the radar. We've got Gilbert Paul Jordan flashbacks happening yeah. here. He would intentionally seek out women that lived on the fringes of society. And I have a small quote from a series of interviews he's done, which are available on the FBI's official website, if you're interested. Okay. Um, he says, I didn't go fucking around out there with the people that would be immediately missed and very important to either family or business or somebody. I'm not going over there in a white neighborhood and picking out a little young teenage girl like the weirdies do. So he made sure to pick out women of color, usually young black women, Ugh. sex workers, alcoholics, drug addicts, drifters. He reported that, you know, if he killed a person and there was no one to like answer for them, he would go back to the same city over and over and keep picking out women he thought nobody would miss. Come on, dog. So he was, oh, he was also, very smart about it. That's in that for sure. quote, too, to separate himself from a a weirdie, <laughs> too. Like yep. I want, I'm so interested to know what his definition of a weirdie is. Yeah. <laughs> like I just like I just I I want to know what mental image he has <laughs> in his head of that person. He's probably thinking of Ted Bundy or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but how are you different? Yeah. Other than the fact that you're preying on more vulnerable people. I don't know. Like, what's the... It's insane to me that he was able to, like... Like, I don't know, maybe especially since he had that perspective as a minority individual yeah. in the 60s, he's like, okay, you know, he's got that social awareness to be like, I'm not gonna pick somebody that's gonna be our little perfect white virginal missing girl, you know? That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is crazy. Watching that interview was fucking insane if you're interested there's like hours of video footage on the fbi website so <clears throat> unfortunately in 1984 he's arrested again this time for the assault and strangulation of a woman named Lori barros who lived to tell the tale good which is excellent yeah um for whatever reason <laughs> they never did anything with that he was just arrested and they were like okay whatever don't do it again and they let him go <laughs> Um, and um. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually caught with a similarly assaulted woman in the backseat of his car a month later in the same location. This time, however, they do something about it. Okay. Thankfully, she lived as well. But, you know, since this was a double offense, doing the same thing again, and it was horrible. Within a month. Within a month in the same location. Um, he was arrested and he ended up serving two and a half years in prison as a result. Okay. So. A little, a little tidbit of justice. Lori, <laughs> Lori was probably like, uh, yeah, I told you it was gonna happen again. Like, what are you fucking doing? Now this other woman is traumatized for life. Nice work, everybody. Yeah. Great job. So <clears throat> when he gets out of prison and he's released in 1987, he moves to LA and commits 10 additional crimes, all of the same caliber. Unfortunately, the exact timeline of the rest of his killings are is a little unclear because um he was a drifter for like 35 years mm. 
basically doing the Henry Lee Lucas thing, except for real, like moving from state to state, committing crimes, leaving the bodies in undisclosed locations. And he pretty much gets away with this for about 30 years until he's arrested in a homeless shelter on September 5th, 2012. So very recent. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Was he in the homeless shelter as like an unhoused person himself or preying so, yeah. on them? I think he was an unhoused person himself. Okay. Whether he, you know, tried to assault any of the people that were there, I'm not sure. But I mean, probably. I would be surprised, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, seems so, like the key victim for him. So Yeah, so we've got that going for us. Now, the only good thing I will say about a serial rapist is that they leave behind a trail of DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. So... That is exactly what was used to indict him in three separate murders, all of which he'd committed more than a decade earlier. So they finally test the rape kits. Nice work, everybody. And they determined that Henry, or I should say Samuel, was involved in the murders of three women named Carol Eileen Elford, who was discovered July 13th, 1987. Guadalupe Duarte. Oh, fuck. I'm going to try not to butcher her name. Uh, Podaca. It's not English. I'm so sorry. September 3rd, 1987, and Audrey Nelson Everett, August 14th, 1989. All three were recovered in the streets of L.A. Mm. So thanks to the DNA evidence he had left behind, the prosecution team was able to construct a compelling case. Um, They drew, you know, the evidence from the rape kits of the victims and from eyewitness testimonies of people that had nearly been victims themselves. So people he had tried to kill, but hadn't. So... Those poor people. I know. I cannot even imagine going through something as traumatic as this and the only thing that you escape with is your life. Mm -hmm. Like, that is Mm gut-wrenching. It makes me want to throw up. So... And then, sorry, you're on trial, too, defending... mm -hmm. Or not defending, not defending. (laughs) um, Like, you know presenting as a witness against him mm-hmm. and you have to see these these three women who did not make it yep. and who could have very easily been you yep. and you have to like sit with the other survivors and just like stare death re-hatch all that and watch these these attorneys defend him <laughs> like yep. oof. pretty bad yeah. pretty bad so you know thankfully for the rest of the surviving victims and the families of the people that were killed um he is found guilty on three counts of first degree murder resulting in a life sentence to the california state prison in los angeles county so interestingly enough uh for some reason he proclaims his innocence throughout the entirety of this trial you know despite the fact that there are eyewitness testimonies and dna evidence like quantifiably putting him in a location at the time of these murders um he would like he was screaming at the trial i didn't do it i didn't do it and he 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 was literally just doing it to fuck with these people yeah like that's what the judge was saying you know because the families of the victims were there he was just Mm. doing it to fuck with them like he was a nasty piece of work Oh, so if my, if I was murdered and my dad and my dad showed up at my trial, the person on trial would be dead and my dad would be on trial. I was going to say, my father would literally kill somebody. I think mine would too. Yeah. Like full stop. I, I, you know, I really, uh, yeah, I could see that happening. Like imagine sitting in a courtroom and the person who clearly killed your kid is on 
is, you know, sitting there. He killed them and had sex with their corpse. Oh, Sorry. Like, Sorry. And then you're just supposed to sit there and, and listen just, to them be like, I didn't do it. I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I, I just start going. <laughs> you just I start, start, just start punching. If you're not watching the YouTube video, I'm punching. <laughs> I'm punching the air. Rocky Balboa. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. But yeah, um, I think one of the women said something to the effect of, and God will judge you. Mm-hmm. So a much more gracious response than I ever would have had. <laughs> I'm punching. He's punching harder. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm like a big restorative justice person. Like, I literally am. Mr. WGS. Yeah. <laughs> Abolitionist. Like, we're doing the whole thing. But, yep. like, if I was a family member in that courtroom, that I give her a lot of props. Yeah. That's gracious. I would never have the patience. Yeah. So, after being incarcerated in 2018, he begins confessing to more crimes. Thanks to the help of the Texas Rangers. No! Warren! <laughs> We're back again, Don't boys. play Kid Rock. Don't play Kid Rock. Don't play Kid I'm Rock. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to get copyright claimed again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got copyright claimed. By Kid Rock. By Kid Fuck Rock. you, dude. We don't even have 20 views on our last video. The YouTube creation studio literally said something to the effect of like... On behalf of Kid on Rock. On behalf of Kid Rock, yeah. <laughs> Well, so fuck you, man. Mm-hmm. You know. Also, you're racist, so suck up that one. Um, I know what you're thinking. You know, crossover episode of the century. Roll the tapes, etc. But, you know. <laughs> we, That's what I was thinking. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> end, of, end of episode. But, um, you know, um, we know from our Henry Lee Lucas episode and, like, you know, our general understanding of the criminal justice system in America, um, the Rangers have a long history of (laughs) corruption, especially where interrogation tactics are concerned. Um, We can draw connections between Henry and Samuel here, as I mentioned, um, in more ways than one. So both men claim to have killed a lot of people. And I haven't given you an exact number yet, but Samuel has claimed to kill a lot of people. Henry claimed to kill about like 300. Both were interrogated by the Texas Rangers. Um, Both ended up drawing pictures of their victims and the portraits, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, Henry's claims have later been disproven thanks to our understanding of the corruption within the Rangers. Um, Unfortunately for us, littles have been confirmed by a government task force. So there are 93 of which he has admitted to. Half of which at the time of this recording have been confirmed by eyewitness accounts, DNA evidence, the portraits of his victims, and the United States government. So unfortunately for us, Samuel Little is the real deal. Wow. Yeah. He would begin admitting to crimes he'd committed on November 9th, 2018, and on November 27th, like, literally, what is that? How many days later is that? Like, 20? Sure. <laughs> sure, we'll call it that. <laughs> literally, like, almost a little less than 20 days later. Um, the Federal Bureau of Investigations announced that a violent criminal apprehension program team had used Little's confessions to confirm 34 unsolved murders across the country. And this isn't a case where they're handing him the case files and going, did you do this? Yeah. They're using they his, have DNA. They're using his confessions. They're using the portraits he drew of his victims. And, like, within, like, without a shadow of a doubt, confirming that he committed these crimes and these persons are who he says they were. 
Oof. Yeah. 34. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is like, <laughs> like scary similar to last time mm-hmm. because it is across the country. Yes. And it's, whereas Henry Lee Lucas was a um, man likely with a mental disability. Yes. Um, this man, Samuel Little, is a man of color. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're easy, quote-unquote, targets Absolutely. for people to pin these things on. So, mm-hmm. like, I could... I see where you're going with with the parallels there and mm-hmm. everything. And I'm not saying I trust the government or I trust law enforcement or I, I trust a, the justice system. I was about to add that caveat. We could do an entire episode on, like, the human rights abuses the FBI has done. We could mm-hmm. do an entire another episode about, like, all of the um, inter-institutional corruption inside the FBI. But I don't want to be put on a watch list yet. <laughs> yet. We'll get there. So, so we're not we'll doing there. that right now. We're only on the Kid Rock watch list right yes, now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what I'm trying to get at is the difference between these two cases is that there's a parent institution overseeing the interrogations going on. Yeah. So whether or not we agree with the FBI and, you know, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, we don't have, you know, Sheriff Boutwell handing the case files to Sam and going, you did this. Yeah. We have him admitting to it. We have video evidence that, you know, has been confirmed and put on government websites. Like I said, you can go to the FBI website and look through all of his testimonials. Yeah. And it's, it's shocking. It's really concerning because, you know, like I said, um, it's, it's black and white, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) So blah 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 um yeah he is very cunning in the way that he speaks and his demeanor in and of itself as i was watching these files doesn't kind of give off that like stank (laughs) that some like serial killers or persons within like true crime spheres kind of do where you listen to them speak and you're like oh this is someone that like needs to be put away he's not a weirdy no he's not a weirdy (laughs) so um he like just looks like someone's grandpa because when these videos were being recorded he was like 78 or something so he's he just looks like some guy that you would talk to in the grocery store and you would like leave the conversation like feeling a little better about it because he just has that way about him very nostalgic in the way he speaks um yeah he just does not exude the ick unfortunately (laughs) which is horrifying you know i i watched these tapes and I like to think, you know, from my personal experience, I have a very good bullshit detector. She does. <laughs> like, she, she does. Nearly prophetic, unfortunately. Yeah. No. <laughs> so Fully prophetic. It was even more startling, at least for me, um, with that, like, self-assuredness watching those videos and having, like, none of my alarm bells go off. Ooh, I'm chills. Like. Yeah, that's <laughs> freaky. Ooh, the goosebumps. Yeah, I like, yeah. <laughs> It was, it was really upsetting to me because he was, like, talking about the weather, what he'd done that day. And he would talk about these women, like, he was talking about a girlfriend he was in love with from, like, 20 years ago. He's like, oh, she was beautiful. She was tall and well-built. She was, you know, like, this beautiful presence. And then I took her to a river and I drowned her. And he would say it just as casually like, as the last thing. Like, that's not a fun story about your second date. Nope. He's confessing to a murder, which is really, really icky. Of like a deeply disenfranchised woman Mm -hmm. that he preyed on. And a very, very disturbed man. Wow. Yep. Which gave me the ick. I am not going to lie. 
So, um, yeah, I took a second to reflect on that and I felt kind of sick. So, (laughs) um, like I've mentioned beforehand, um, a lot of his cold cases, or wait, what did I write? A lot of his (laughs) confessions are available to watch and look at on the official FBI database that they've created. Um, There are still quite a number of cold cases that haven't been officially confirmed yet. Um, But one of his portraits in particular was actually used to solve a cold case in Akron, Ohio. So we know that there is some semblance of credibility to his claims, a lot more so than Henry at least. Yeah. Because, you know, they're actually taking the information that he's put out there without any of this government interference. Yeah. And he's solving the cases, which is icky. <laughs> so no one's handing him a case file. Nope. No one's being like, here, check yeah. this out, we'll slide you a milkshake. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Um, like I said previously, um, because he was indicted on three counts of first degree murder, he was serving a life sentence in the California Correctional Facility until December 30th, 2020, where he died in jail of natural causes. He was 80 years old. Like I mentioned earlier at the time of this recording, um, the FBI has officially confirmed 50 of his 93 confessions, which is for all of you that are good at math out there like me, more than half. (laughs) So um, that unfortunately makes him the most prolific serial killer in American history. Wow. For real this time. You know, unless, you know, 20 years from now, some kind of corruption is uncovered. But that's where we leave our case. That's Samuel Little. What a gross man. I know. It was, it was a little ickier, again, than I originally intended. I keep saying I'm going to do a not icky one, and I'm really going to do a not icky one <laughs> and next it, time, and I swear. And then she's like, this is the most prolific serial killer. <laughs> I, I need And then to, next week she's like, this is actually the most prolific serial killer. <laughs> here's my defense. Um, I watched this one YouTuber specifically. His name is Wendigoon. I think I've already talked about him, too. Uh-huh. And he does these um, serial killer iceberg videos where he's like, weirdest serial killers of all time and he gives like a little tidbit a little taste and what i've gathered from the tastes i've picked up from his videos to study on my own they're a lot ickier than he lets on yeah <laughs> <laughs> um go and this one's for you i love your videos but fuck you for that um <laughs> he said i'm trying to get monetized so i downplay it i, I know literally because he he talked about like you know the confession tapes that i discussed and that was like pretty much it so i was like oh the grandfather killer but um, his actual name, which I um, found during the course of my research, is called the Stroke and Choke Killer. So, nope. <laughs> not good. Not ideal. Um, I could have died without knowing that. <laughs> I did not need to know that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have anything to say other than thank you for listening. <laughs> Magnum P.I. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we are. Here we are. What'd you think of Samuel Little? This, so little Magnum B.I. behind the scenes. We filmed two episodes in a in a night. Yeah, we did. We we back to back them. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was also very heavy. Yeah, I'm like emotionally, spiritually, metaphysically exhausted. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's like, ugh. It was icky, I know. I don't um, know what to make of it. The fact, like, I haven't, I'm going to watch the confession videos now mm-hmm. that I know that, but just the way that he, 
how you described him is so cunning. That's scary. Yeah, like genuinely. Because like I said, when I watched the interviews, none of my red flags were going up. Even and you are good at that. I like to think so. You Thank are. you. Especially, you know, literally hearing him talk about, and not even in detail, but he's like, yeah, and then I did this, and then I did that. And it's just so... The words that um, my YouTube friend Wendigoon, we're not friends, um, <laughs> used when he was when he was discussing um, the way that um, Samuel spoke, he uses the term nostalgic reminiscence, and that's exactly it. It's Oof. almost romantic the way he talks about these people, which is awful. It's insane because it really reinforces that idea of it could be anyone. Yeah. It could literally be anyone, which is so scary. And imagine the family of those victims, if they ever watch that confession, mm-hmm. like being like, you don't, you didn't know my, my kid. Yeah. You did not know. You're talking about my kid. Like you like were in love. Mm-hmm. You knew them for like two hours before you did, murdered them. Yeah. Did the most unthinkable things you can do to a person. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. Piece of shit. Unfortunately. Yes. Anyway, we have a fun game. <laughs> Um, Lauren. Yes. My dearest Lauren. Oh, first of all, we're no longer guessing Lauren's middle name because last week. (laughs) Oh, that's right. We were going to talk about that. In our Grant Amato episode. Yes. I got Lauren's middle name. Yes. Deeply proud of myself. I still can't believe you did it. In nine episodes. Nine. I got some hints along the way. Yes, you did. Lauren dropped some hints. Um... Do you want to explain why we played a fun little theme music over your (laughs) name? Your middle Um, name? Well, my dear Uncle Andy, actually, who I love, who I don't know if he'll ever watch this, um, is an insurance person of some kind. And it's terrible that I don't know his actual job title, but he does (laughs) things with the law. (laughs) And he said... Insurance law. Something to do with signing important paperwork. You know how it goes. Um, he said that I shouldn't include my middle name in case someone tries to use it to commit fraud. So, unfortunately, <laughs> our fun little game had to be cut short. But, um, <laughs> I think the way that Ke- Casey edited my reaction <laughs> on the YouTube Thanks. video is actually so funny. <laughs> so, you'll have to pop over. She was flabbergasted. No, I was. Like, genuinely. Because I really thought we were going to go the entire season, which worked projecting is going to be like 20-ish episodes yeah we're like halfway yeah and he would have like no idea so i was like fully prepared to like pop a bottle of champagne at the end yeah have a big reveal um and we didn't get to have that so well i'm proud of myself at least i'm proud of you too and it's a beautiful name and i'm also happy that we're not guessing your middle name because i don't want to yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's you wouldn't get it anyway yes um okay now we have a game however Mm -hmm. and we'll have to think of things to do in the future but Um, Lauren, yes. if you were on death row, okay. what would your last meal be? Oh, this is, okay, this is a really good question because I've actually thought about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I intend to be on death row, but because I love eating. Yeah. It might be my favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, mm, if it had to be my last meal. Anyone who's go- about to say this is too much food, shut the fuck up. It's literally your last it's meal. It's my last meal. Um, probably an entire tub of crab dip. <laughs> um, Mrs. Adrian, I've tried your crab dip. It's very good. 
My mom makes a mean crab dip. It's a very good crab it's dip. really good. Mwah. Kisses. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I would also eat an entire thing of buffalo chicken dip. Oh. Of my mother's recipe. Because I fucking love dip. <laughs> <laughs> it might be my favorite thing in the world. One of my other favorite foods is also guacamole. Mm-hmm. So we've got I love a, a guac. We've got a lot of dips happening. Um, let me think. Crab dip, buffalo chicken dip, guacamole. <laughs> um, and... I think a steak cooked over the fire, specifically by my dad. <laughs> because steak cooked over an, a, a wood fire, slow roasted, is probably one of the best things you can ever eat. Yeah. So that would be my four things. Crab dip, buffalo chicken dip, guacamole, and steak. So we're enlisting my mom <laughs> and your parents yep. to cook. I'm like, mom... Lauren, she got caught. It's like a whole thing. But will you make the crab dip? Thanks. Mom, she's canceled for real this time. Like, for real. She's going away forever. I'm taking over the podcast, but like, I get the royalty now, so I get them. But <laughs> You're going to take custody of Benita? Yeah. Benita's literally mine. That's fucked up. <laughs> you don't own her. I birthed her. <laughs> um, my last meal. I was going to say. Would be... Um... A... I usually, like, avoid meat, but mm-hmm. it's my last meal. Mm-hmm. I'm having, like, three dozen boneless chicken wings Ooh. with blue cheese dressing. Okay. We can leave the blue cheese. What flavor, <laughs> what flavor of boneless wing are you getting? Like, half buffalo, mm-hmm. half, like, a whiskey glaze Ooh. kind of moment. I don't think I've ever had that before. It's good. That like sounds a, really like a good. Bur- like a bourbon-y. Ooh, so it's like sweet and smoky kind yeah. of? Yeah, oh, yeah. that sounds excellent. Um, I'm having that. I'm having like as many lobster tails as they're willing to give me. From Red Lobster? If they have to be. <laughs> Red Lobster is really good food. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Yeah. I work at Red Lobster. I was about to say. Um, <laughs> and um, like also as many crab rangoon as they're willing to give me how could i forget crab rangoon? i love a crab rangoon oh no love a crab rangoon. i fucking love a crab rangoon and one upstate new york picked freshly picked granny smith apple damn yeah that's so really good yeah. i would eat your last meal my stomach would hurt as i went out oh but yeah it'd be worth that it would be worth it because you got to taste all your favorite things right before you went yeah damn eileen moranos can i spoil a Little tiny part of the Eileen Moronos episode? A little bit, yeah. Okay, is that okay? Just a little. Okay. Um, in a couple weeks, we're doing Eileen Moronos. I think two from this episode. And Yeah. 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 Episode 12. Science. Math. Yeah. Math. Um, well, you know what? I'm not going to say it because oh. I would spoil, it would spoil... A lot? Well, I mean, kind of. Okay, well, you guys will have that to think about. Wait, wait a couple weeks. <laughs> wait a couple and then, weeks. wow, do we have a reveal. And, uh, yeah, chew on that yeah. for a while. Next week, I am going to be covering Tara Calico, mm-hmm. who is a girl, a 19-year-old girl, mm-hmm. who went missing in the 1980s, the late 1980s. Um, and it is probably the most scary Ter- like insidious and terrifying um and creepy true crime story i've ever heard oh um because there's a huge mystery associated with it is this another unsolved casey yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> 
so okay. we'll see you next week for that. Oh well, I'll I'll be sitting on pins and needles until then. I'm excited. It's prickly, prickly. <laughs> it should be good. Um, make sure you subscribe and like on YouTube. Rate, follow, podcast on uh, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> on Apple. <laughs> All that stuff, you know. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Magnum Bi Pod. I think that's all the socials, right? Yeah. Yeah. Much. Or you could check out our link tree and you can see all the sources we use for all these things. Yeah. We put yeah, together yeah. A, a really long uh, Google Doc. We did. You can fact check us if you feel like we it. We cite our sources. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, if you want to watch any of the um, FBI confession tapes, the official page for Samuel Little is still active and they're still updating it as we speak. Wow. So, um, you know, if this video happens to go viral and you know anything relating to any of these cases, um, feel free to contact them at that website. Yeah. We'll link it below. Thank you guys so much for watching. Yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one, even though it was heavy and a little short. But, like I said, lots of really interesting parallels between a bunch of other serial killers within, you know, popular media and ones we've discussed previously. So... And if you haven't watched the Henry Lee Lucas episode... That one is incredible. You should, yeah. If you don't know what we were referring to throughout, it's a really, really... It'll make you mad. It'll but it's make you mad. really, it's, it's great. So. <laughs> it's poignant. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. If you're into police negligence or, you know, you just want to. If that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's your thing. It's our thing. So yeah. check it out. Let us know what you think. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Magnum, Magnum Beyond. Bye. Bye.